Hello and welcome to Meldon Law and Friends, a weekly podcast brought to you by Meldon Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville and also with offices in South Florida covering the entire Tri-County South Florida area from Miami-Dade through Broward through Palm Beach County and also in Marion County where we just opened up a brand new office. You've been you've been hearing us talk about it. Jeffrey, exciting times. This is our 22nd episode. Never thought we'd go this far, but we've done it. Yes, and I want to thank you for all your uh, hard work in preparing for uh, all of these episodes and it's really exciting that our podcast is getting so much traction. It really has, and uh, it's growing. And for those who aren't aware, we are on many audio platforms as well. We are on Facebook Live, of course, uh, streaming live every Friday. And starting in less than two weeks, on Tuesday, April 6th, we will be going to a new time. I believe it's 1 p.m. or 12.30 p.m. My producer will probably give me a nudge. (laughs) Whatever the case may be, it'll be on Tuesday, April 6th. We will be going live with Facebook Live questions. We'll be taking questions. Uh, You just simply follow us on Facebook, text in a question, and we'll answer it for you. A couple of things to get out of the way before we get to a great show today. It's something I've been looking forward to a long time, talking about music history in Gainesville, in particular, the Great Southern Music Hall, an iconic music venue. But let's cover a couple of things quickly. We've still got some tickets, Jeffrey, for softball games this weekend. We've got, uh, we have some winners for tonight. Tonight's game at 6 p.m. I want to congratulate the winners of the six tickets for tonight. But we still have six tickets for tomorrow's game, which I believe is a 5 p.m. game for the women's softball team. And then Sunday at 11 a.m., and there are six tickets both days, right? Correct. Have you gone to any of the softball games yet? I have not, and I will, I promise. I have been to the baseball games, and I love them, and I know the product is outstanding (laughs) with uh, softball as well, so I will be, and I'm excited about it. Well, I've gone to some of the games, and the Gator softball team rocks. I mean, they they are so much fun. So any of our uh, viewers or listeners out there, uh, check out Gator softball. It is incredible. Uh, the Lady Gators are always in the top two or three or four in the country. They're, the facility there is amazing, and they're always improving it. So uh, get behind the Florida Gators softball team. Uh, we're, we're winners, and we should support them. It's amazing how well they literally do in everything. I mean, we've had, of course, you know, the volleyball coach. We've had the legendary soccer coach, Becky Burley. All the women's teams are just doing so incredibly well. So I agree with you. I'll be checking out softball. But the easy way to apply for these tickets could not be easier. You just go to the Meldon Law Facebook page, the Meldon Law Internet page, our, our web page, the home page, right at the very top. You click the link for volleyball, for softball, for baseball, whatever it may be. Just click the link and you'll be eligible to apply for the tickets. Like we said, six tickets for tomorrow's game, six tickets for Sunday's game, plus gift certificates. It's quite a deal. Yeah. So uh, for our listeners uh, and viewers, again, you go to MeldonLaw.com, the home page for our website. <laughs> and on, on that home page, right at the top, there'll be a bar that says enter the content. It's that simple. Go to MeldonLaw.com, home page. At the top, you'll see the red bar that says enter the contest and uh, you're in. And a lot of our local folks are so thrilled to go to the game. But I think it's time to start the yes, show, Chris. Yes, yes, yes. I'll be looking forward to this a long time. I'm just going to make the introductions, then turn it over to you three guys. Three legendary figures when it comes to the development of music in Gainesville, Florida. To my farthest left, Jim Forsman, who was one of Jeffrey's partners, original partners in the Great Southern Music Hall back in the early 70s, along with Peter Laird, a well-known entertainment attorney. My very good friend, Albert Tabaji, who I've known for over 40 years. Albert was the original talent buyer and concert promoter for the Great Southern Music Hall with Albert Promotions. So I'm honored to be with, with all you guys. Well, it's great. And uh, Albert, thank you for joining us, Jim. Uh, so I wanted to kind of get things rolling here. Uh, Jim and I uh, were the original founders of the Great Southern Music Hall in 1974. Our first show was April 26, 1974, uh, with the Earl Scruggs Review. I think Lester Flatt may have uh, shown up for that show, too, uh, because Scruggs and Flatt were uh, partners for a long time. But, Jim, why don't you start with uh, your involvement in uh, downtown Gainesville, the story you had, and how you came 
to let me know that there was an opportunity to start a performing arts theater. Well, it, it began with uh, Joe Silverman uh, introducing me to the ABC Theater next door to his clothing store. And quite frankly, the, um, it had been run down, the theater was run down, and the people coming there were having fights, and it was right next to a fine men's shop, so he was concerned. And he came over and talked to me and asked me what I thought could be done uh, with the property. And so he and I got together and talked the manager into letting us inside to go look at it. And Joe told me there was a stage there, and in the old days they had the Chautauqua circuit. would come through and do stage plays. So sure enough, behind there was a fixed movie screen, and behind that was this huge speaker, but there was a stage with dressing rooms, and there's even curtains <laughs> there. And so it intrigued me, and so I began thinking about it, not exactly sure what to do with it, but I thought this is really, really something that could be done. And one night I was talking to Larry Turner about it, and he said, well, you know, Jeff Meldon is trying to do something with a concert venue here in Gainesville at another location, I think, at the time. And so he introduced us, and I told you what we had there and what could be done, and then it went from there as far as uh, coming up with uh, an organic growth of a music hall because it wasn't we didn't sit down and do a drawing and say, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> we saw a stage yeah. and we said, hey, we can make, and there were seats, there were 800 seats yeah. in the yeah. theater. Yeah. And, um, and we had a janitor there who was great. He kept that place up. He was about 90 years old, I think. You know what? I, Henry, I actually have a picture here of the janitor right here. Okay. And so one day, we Slush went to Dave, Dave Roberts. Yeah, his name. Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts. Right. And I said, uh, and I said, Dave, we want to give yeah. you a raise. He said, Well, you have to take any more taxes. I said, Yes. Yeah. Said, Well, then I don't want a raise. <laughs> <laughs> he was an interesting character from the old school, and had a lot of respect for him. And he did a great job. Of and he helped place. you. He helped you a lot. I knew. Oh, there, there yeah. were. Here's a picture of uh, myself. Peter Laird and Jim Forsman here. The Gainesville Sun did a big promo piece on this the month before uh, we opened. This says March of 1974. April 26, 1974 was the opening show. And uh, it, there's actually a picture of the stage. I don't know if you can see that, Jim, but yeah. it shows a, the, the, that there was a stage there, but it needed a lot of work. Can you, uh, you know, let's talk what? about, you know, what happened. Well, you know, you, you had mentioned that um, I had been looking for something in the performing arts theater. My recollection of yeah. the story is, <laughs> is that... You wanted to put on some concerts, I believe. Well, I was good friends with um, uh, Minnie Ripperton and Dick Rudolph, her husband. And I knew Dick from... Uh, he lived next door to my Aunt Pearl in Pittsburgh. So I knew him growing up. And they moved into town, and I knew... Minnie Ripperton was a big star with the Rotary Connection. I had been listening to her music for years. And um, the three of us started looking for a music venue. Uh, oh. And we, we saw some places. The Cotton Club was um, in uh, you know, the east side of town, mm -hmm. but it was dilapidated. And we didn't uh, you know, have a, the, the bankroll to renovate that, okay? <laughs> And so I kind of put that on hold, but Larry <coughs> Turner and I were uh, best friends and, you know, we were traveling together and doing all kinds of stuff together. And I told him about it. And so that's how he knew to tell you that I had been looking for something to do in the musical well, uh, I, arts. I don't know if you knew, actually knew, remember, but when we, when I went in there to buy the theater, we paid $5,000 for the entire giddy-up, everything. And Whoa. then the rent was $1,250 a month. I thought it was $1,500 a month. Something like that. $1,250. It was so, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, we could use it for a storage warehouse or something. You know, It must do... have been twenty five or 30,000 square feet. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And, and it had all the seats in. So anyhow, you and I get together and we go, what, what the hell, let's try to do it. Peter, I could tell it was going to be a big distraction from my law practice, and I was 
a 60% owner of the uh, law firm and Peter Laird owned 40%. So I uh, said to Peter, I said, look, I'll take my 50% and give you, you know, a, a proportionate share. So that's how Peter Laird got in because I didn't want him bitching about me not working in the law practice. So, <laughs> well, basically, you were you were your focus of energy was on the promoting getting concerts and getting uh, movies and doing those. You and Peter and I was down trying to figure out how to make this operation function when people show up. And lucky for us, <laughs> lucky for us, you had a very successful men's store, the Young Young American Couple Shop, of, right? Right, yeah. yeah. And you were right across the street, so you could be running back and forth. And I did that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I yes, think there's a picture in the newspaper of yes, me in the middle did. of the street. Well, how yeah. did you guys sell liquor? Was there any story behind that? Well, well Jim, you can tell the story. <laughs> We, we we thought, we said, you know, if we sold beer and wine and so on in a movie theater, that would be kind of unique. And I think there was another place that may have had something like that we'd heard about. So we started, we applied for a beverage license and there was a quota license still out there. But of course, there's a lot of people trying to get their hands on a quota license. Yeah, quota license, for those of, those of you that don't know, back then, for every 2,500 people in a <clears throat> county, they would issue one four COP license, which would allow you to sell anything, no matter how much capacity you have, everything. Yeah, nice. yeah. So, so we, one day um, I called uh, uh, Arnold Sorrell with the Jim Walter Corporation. They had uh, just given me a recognition down there. I got yeah, to know Yeah, tell them about the recognition, because you were 24 years old at the time, right? Yeah, they gave me an award. I was one of the 25 outstanding businessmen in the United States, according to Jim Walter. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's the only thing I've ever we'll won in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave us uh, some money and, and introduced us to all the big banks, and it was a very interesting time. But Arnold Sarraw, uh I guess, somehow somebody knew somebody, and I think you said there may have been somebody else. Jack McGriff. Jack McGriff. We made a, we made a visit over there as well, and Jack yeah. was the most prominent Democratic influencers so, at the time. So I can tell you, I was sitting at my desk one day and I saw this envelope and I opened it up and it said four COP. It said, you know, I'd never even seen a beverage license, much knew what it was. But I said, I think it's a beverage license. And uh, sure enough, it was. And that day we called the carpenters in to build those little bars that were down there and we went and got some ice and some tubs and went to abc and bought some booze to sell because we didn't know you had to go to a distributor <laughs> i can just see you guys doing that why does that not surprise me we were ready <laughs> we were ready to go well we started out i think we may have started with the beer and wine and then a little uh, right. a, no it all we did it all at the same time oh it all came in at the same yeah, time yeah once we got that license and then we opened the wine cellar and we built the backstage bar right, we actually yeah. became official and we and we bought from the uh, distributors <laughs> and, and i'll tell you what was really amazing i i have marty gerard's book um you know the the book of, about the history of the music scene in gainesville music everywhere but when we started the great southern music hall uh before albert came in we had uh, the Earl Scruggs Review first, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, Ray Charles, Dave Brubeck, Bo Diddley, Jerry Lee Lewis. Do you remember the Jerry Lee Lewis story? Oh, well, I remember Jerry Lee Lewis. We had to buy that Steinway piano. Big, beautiful Steinway piano, about 10 or 12 grand. We financed it for $100 a month for life. And uh, he got up on top of that thing and started dancing on it. <laughs> All right. We're going to hear more about that story in just a minute. We've got to cut to a break. We could probably go all day on this, and we probably will. Again, this is Meldon Law and Friends. This is our 22nd episode of our podcast. Today is Friday, March 26th, with our good friends, Jim Forsman, Albert Tabaji, who we'll be talking to next segment. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. The Gator Nation will be the first to tell you that in all kinds of weather, we all stick together. Which is why Melden Law is honored to be the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. We hope you never find yourself the victim of a serious accident, but if you do, our team is here for you. Gators won't back down from a fight, and neither do we. 
Welcome back to Melden Lawn Friends, 22nd episode on Friday, March 26, 2021. Today is a special episode honoring some icons from Gainesville music history. Jim Forsman to the left, Albert Tabaji directly to my left, and Jeffrey Melden. The three of them were driving forces behind the legendary Great Southern Music Hall that I remember well because I was a freshman in 1975, and I remember those shows, Cheech and Chong, Ooh. Steve Martin, so many things, and uh, other than concerts at UF, that was the place to go, the Great Southern Music Hall. Yeah, so here's a picture of the uh, Great Southern Music Hall. I'm gonna Music come around Hall, and look at it. And uh, <laughs> everybody can see uh, what the what it looked like. Enter mm -hmm. the Dragon, we played that movie. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce Lee uh, was in that, but we had movies, we had theater, we had all kinds of stuff. But the list of artists uh, goes on and on, and we're going to feature that on this. Uh, but I was finishing telling the story of some of the acts we had before Albert came in. Um, Muddy Waters, Minnie mm -hmm. Ripperton. Now, Jimmy Buffett came in November 14th, 1974. Do you remember, he, he had just come out in Playboy, I believe right along that time. And he was just starting. And we lost money on the show. <laughs> well, actually, he was just something happened there. I one, of, that. one of one of the pot dealers that I represented named Kelly Ogden yeah, was yeah. friends with Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> oh, and, okay. And uh, and uh, they, I think they did a uh, bare bones charter of the theater for that they show did. because they financed they it. Did. And Albert, yeah. you would have been there. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, been there. <laughs> there's some other. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but Jerry Lee Lewis got so drunk. Okay, that we had to pry him out of the mobile home that was behind the theater. We didn't have a dressing room, uh, a real dressing no, a real room. Dressing. It didn't have a toilet or anything. Yeah. Do, do you remember Farron Young? Yes. Did you? When then we had to get him a fifth of Seagram Seven, and <laughs> I was standing there, and he took that bottle and drank the whole thing, and went out there and did his performance. Amazing. It just—I mean, I was sitting. How could anybody drink a whole fifth? of Seagram 7, and go out there and do their stage. Are you sure it wasn't a pint? No, it was a fifth. <laughs> never, I mean, it's like emblazoned in my mind. I'll never forget watching right. him do it. So anyhow, part of the story goes on. So Jim and I are, are trying to figure out how we put this thing together. There was a place called University City Bank, and uh, we knew the president of the bank, Bob Coons, right? right. And Jim and I go down there, and we say, uh, well, look, uh, you know, we were in our 20s at the time, and we said, uh, we want a, um, we want a, a $50,000 loan, which at that time was equivalent to about two hundred grand. And, uh, you know, he said, well, you know, what are you going to do with it? And we told him the idea about this <laughs> music hall. He said, no problem, and wrote us a check for 50 grand. And, and, and uh, we started, which, uh, you know, we didn't realize how much it was going to be. And yeah, I don't yeah. know, did you replace the seats, all 800 seats no, at that no, time? No, 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 no. Dave repaired them. The seats were fine. The cost in building the bars and sound equipment. Remember, we had to, we bought sound yeah. equipment, and it was very expensive. Where did we get it from? Lipums? No, well, no. We The, guy, the sound fellas ordered this. $20,000, $15,000 soundboard. and you know, probably Mark Pinsky. And we had great yeah. sound. Yeah, Mark Pinsky, Mark probably. Pinsky. Yeah. And yeah. we had great sound uh, in the uh, theater yeah. uh, because there were baffles on the side. And it was 800-seat uh, <laughs> theater, and it was raked, which meant it, it sloped yeah. upwards. And it, it cool. had one of the best acoustic sounds of any it theater really I've ever yeah. been in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... So, because of that. So anyhow, Jim, like and, Jim and I, we figured we got we got the money, we got the liquor license, we got the lease uh, for, what was it, 15 years or something on the building. Yeah. I think we had five years plus two options for five more. And uh, we wind up opening the place and uh, and people were coming. We were amazed. Well, that was that first show with uh, Earl Scruggs actually was supposed to be at the Hilton. And they got scared because too many people wanted to come. And Albert, 
they, I guess they called Albert, and then he called and said, is the theater ready? And I said, we're still putting down carpet. And actually, when people were coming in the front door, we were still putting carpet going down the aisles, going out the back door. <laughs> well, that's what you call last-minute reparation. So I, I'm going to introduce our next guest, Albert T. Badgie. And um, Albert is from Daytona Beach, and my uh, wife, Toby, was uh, from Daytona Beach as well. And uh, that's how we got to meet in 1972. Albert was down in South Florida working with uh, the biggest promoter in Miami, a guy named Lee Campbell. And mm -hmm. he had graduated from FAU yeah, yeah. And, uh, and was learning the uh, music business. So, and I knew Albert uh, through our friendship and family friendship because he was very, very close uh, with uh, my wife's uh, family at the time. So... Um, I was also representing Tom Petty, and uh, they and the group was Mudcrutch, and uh, I took a tape of Mudcrutch down to see Albert. This is probably 1972, right? And uh, I said, Albert, you know, uh, this is a, an up and coming group. I think you know Tom Petty and Mudcrutch are going to go somewhere, and Albert presented it to uh, you know Lee Campbell, and they listened to it, and then they made a few calls, and basically. I think the headliner uh, for the shows, the, whoever their booking agents mm -hmm. were, they were trying to promote their up and coming acts and they didn't want some unknown act, you know, leading the bill. So Albert turned down Tom Petty. Uh, <laughs> and that's uh, that was our first professional relationship. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way, but that's. I guess that's probably true. I, you know, I, I was just really learning to book bands then, um, mm -hmm. honestly, out of that office. And I, I started selling bands to colleges and uh, learning how to go to there, go to the engagements and, um, you know, and, and babysit the bands, make sure that the, the school had their checks ready and that the bands got paid. The stuff that, that you have to, had to do then. And I was really a ticket guy in that office. I, I distributed tickets because they didn't have computerized ticketing back then. But we were doing all the big name shows that came into South Florida on getting, you know, had the venues mm -hmm. tied up. Um, Pirates World. Yeah, Pirates <laughs> World and the Miami High Life for on time. Yeah, which was, those were that was venues. a fabulous mm -hmm. venue. We did some great stuff there. R&B and rock. Um, and did, did some great stuff there, you know. And I loved living in Miami for the experience of being in a big city <laughs> and learning. Uh, and, yeah. And learning, but you know, then the, the opportunity, the timing was good. And, and then, you know, I came to be a big fish in a little pond. <laughs> so, yeah, so I call Albert after, after doing the booking for about uh, five or six months uh, and, and, and trying to book in live acts, you know, movies, uh, trying to figure out what to do as far as, uh, you know, mm -hmm. everything else uh, regarding the Great Southern Music Hall, I call Albert. I said, Albert, I'm a lawyer. I need some help here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run a practice here. And because so, what he does it consumes and you got to eat, live and sleep, eat, sleep and live it. I mean, it's got to be in your DNA. And that's the same thing with show business. When you start getting into being in the music business, especially at that time, you have to give mm -hmm. it your all, all the time. And you, you got to be thinking about it constantly and if you want to really get good in it and get the gold and platinums on your wall. Okay. Do you have it, any gold and platinums I, on your wall? Yes. Thankfully, I was awarded a bunch of them over the years, and they're given to you by the artists and the artist management. <coughs> I mean, a record company sometimes can get involved in that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, and I'm owed a few more, which I'm <laughs> getting ready to collect because I, I think about it, and you have to kind of remind people. But, but, but yes, that you have to really, really be dedicated. And, you know, my love of the music business, was e it was easy for me, okay, you know, I didn't mind. Well, you it. were and, friends with the Almond Brothers growing up. Yeah, yeah. and that's how I really got in, in, into show business. Okay, Dwayne Almond, you know, kind of was a, in, an influence on me, and we had a couple of other associates, but he really was my major influence in getting mm -hmm. involved in show business because I couldn't play anything. Okay, <laughs> so uh, the only thing I only opportunity I had was to be in business. Okay, you get in the business part of it. I mean, I wasn't like them. They were playing instruments and singing and writing songs and stuff like that. So I, I figured that that that's the way I would go. And that's really how I got into so it. So you, you, somehow 
Um, you made the decision to come up to Gainesville. Well, no, I, I think that the, <laughs> what, what these guys created here for the for the music scene in Gainesville and the arts, whatever, was was really cool. And uh, the timing for me that summer that they were getting it mm -hmm. together, I was involved in a couple of big uh, shows in the Orange Bowl. Uh, because the city of Miami had reopened up their facilities because they had a five-year moratorium Jim because Jim Morrison <laughs> had exposed himself. And the city of Miami Jeez. said, everything's closed down. And they, they did mm -hmm. it for five years. And you know who represented Jim Morrison in that case? Ben Montench's father. Oh, I never really? Yeah. yeah, I did not know that yeah. before he became yeah. a judge himself. Yeah. Before he became a judge wow. himself. <laughs> no, so the, no, Ben Montench from... Uh, Tom Petty, right. the heartbreak well, right. his father. Right. Yeah. became a certain yeah. court judge. judge. Right. Yeah. He was sure. partners with Sella Golden and uh, Larry Turner. So that's, that's by the end of the trivia. summer, I came to Gainesville. Plus, my mother was older and was ill and living in Daytona, so I needed to be closer to home. So it all it, it all worked out. It's timing, I mean, in anything. And here, I, you know, I was here for 10 years. We had a ball. We had to, so, and we worked hard and we did a lot. You know, we created a lot of shows. You know. Timing was all yeah. about. This yeah. was all about just it was a it was timing. Exactly. It was all kind of. It, it, it really together. fell together. The stars lined up for it. And, uh, and the people lined up And the people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to read just a few of the list of shows. This is not the complete list, but um, uh, Richie Havens. Eric Burden band, Eric Burden. Yeah, and that Animals, was exciting okay. for me because he was a hero of mine oh, sure. growing up. That was huge. I, I what spent a some time with him. Uh, we laid out in the sun, and that was an honor to uh, to present him. You know, you uh, laid out in the sun. Well, with no, Eric he Burden? he because he was a Brit, and he was he, that's what he wanted to do during the day. You know, he had a sound check, and we he was waiting to get a sound check. And I remember I went out and hung out with him and talked to him. It was January 29th, yeah. nineteen seventy five. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was sunny. And it was cold. No, he'd probably been in the cold. It was sunny that day, and it wasn't. Yeah. No, it wasn't like laying out by a pool. He just wanted to get some sunshine. You know, he was British. Okay, a cool guy. Though. And then, and then uh, weather report. Um, oh wow, I love them, Jaco Pistorius. Yeah, yeah I, I, I love those guys. You know, Wayne Shorter did a magnificent job with that act, and I not only did them in Gainesville, I did them in Atlanta and in Miami uh, and in Orlando. Because they were, they, nobody was really doing much with them. And the minute I'd put those shows on sale, they'd sell out. And they were they were great. Okay, they were great. And then uh, Melissa Manchester. Yeah, she yeah. worked for Bette Midler first, right? She did. And she then did. she went out on her own. John Mayall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was. He, he. Well, those acts were all so great, and he's still performing some. Yeah. And then Ike and Tina Turner review came in uh, June twenty seventh, nineteen seventy five. Anybody remember that show? I remember it really well because it, they wouldn't approve the date. Uh, and I had to go to California and make sure they were going to come and play it because they had a big they had a big money offer in Miami, and I was I lowballed them. We got that show for six thousand okay? dollars. Wow! And it was the Ike and Tina Turner Review, and it was actually Ike and Tina. It, it, okay. I mean, but the yeah. whole review, there must have been yeah. Yeah. 10, 12 oh, no, people yeah, yeah. on wow. stage. But yeah. wasn't there a story about uh, the, the relationship between I? Well, that was when it was very tense with them, and you know he was he was really tough, okay. And uh, Tina, you know, it was abusive, and you could tell it was just pressure. And being around them, you know, you you felt it. You know, wasn't there a story and, and, about one of them showing up separately in a taxi? Well, no, she came in a cab. Okay, she didn't travel with, and I think she probably always did that. But I remember her getting out of the cab. She was just. Not happy. She was not a happy camper, but they performed well. They did a great job. Guys, time. we got to cut to another break, and we are going to have tons more war stories from three legendary music industry icons from Gainesville, Florida. Tell you, you shaped my early years when I was in college here. Probably led to me wanting to get into the business, uh, the great stuff you guys were doing. Today is the 26th of March, Friday, and this is the 22nd episode of Meldon Law and Friends. We primarily do personal injury law. We represent victims of big truck crashes, motor vehicle cases, pedestrian. We even have represented people on electric scooters, you name it, bicycles, everything else. Statewide, we handle cases, whether it's South Florida, whether it's West Coast of Florida, all the way up through North Florida and Gainesville. 
Give us a call anytime, 1-800-373-8000. We are the only official law firm spot partner of the Florida Gators. Did I get that right? Close? You stepped on it a I little bit. I stepped on it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but that, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. That we are, and we will be right back. When you're a member of the Gator Nation, you know what it means to never back down. Melden Law has been a proud supporter of the Gator Nation since 1971. Two forces that won't back down. As the old saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. Welcome back to today's edition of Meldon Law and Friends, a weekly podcast brought to you by Meldon Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville and also in South Florida, covering the entire Tri-County area, Miami-Dade through Broward through Palm Beach County, and also in Marion County, where this man, Jeffrey Meldon, has been practicing for 43 years. Jeffrey, we've been talking about the new Ocala office. Any update on what's going on with that? Yeah, we got our certificate of occupancy. We're uh, the the office is open. Um, we're finishing up the beautiful landscaping. That office is going to be spectacular. It was built in 1959. It looks like it come, came out of Happy Days. It has that <laughs> it really 1950s does. architecture oh, to cool. it, and we renovated it to its original grandeur. We didn't change any of the architecture. And uh, when folks from uh, Marion County come and visit us there, uh, we're gonna give them a free cup, a Meldon Law Gator Cup, and uh, we're gonna have lots of other uh, surprises for Marion mm -hmm. County. And when you're, if you're listening to us and you're in Marion County, it's uh, right across from the Advent Hospital, and look at the sign. We have this incredible billboard, uh, electronic billboard, and we're going to utilize it to help the uh, charitable organizations in Marion County make people aware of what's going on. And uh, we're really looking forward to helping uh, be a great member of the Marion County community. Well, I know we've got uh, we've got full-time staff there. It's a fully staffed office, right. just like we have in, in, my, in South Florida. So we've been representing clients really, like you said, for over 40 years in the Marion County area and got quite a few cases going now. And I'm just thrilled. You know, I think the, the, we're just going to have such a presence. The sign itself is just <laughs> incredible. You can't miss it if you're going up and down Pine. Well, we had to hire somebody who has nine years of experience with the sign makers company right, <laughs> to figure out how to program the thing. Okay. Yeah. Because it is the, you know, it, it's capable of doing anything you want. So okay. anyhow, it, it's going to be fun. But I want to get back to our special guests today, um, Albert T. Badgie and Jim Forsman. Uh, Albert, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you were able to get in all these incredible acts? I didn't even finish uh, the list, but I mean, Taj Mahal, uh, oh, yeah. Weather Report, Count Basie, B.B. King, Jose Feliciano, uh, LaBelle with Patty LaBelle, Return of Forever with Chick Corea. How are you getting all these incredible acts in? Well, I actually, we did Jose on a homecoming week one time. And I have to say this about Jose Feliciano. He was the only entertainer that always thanked me. And he thanked everybody, but he'd always mention me by name. And I always love that about him. And when I see him now, I think about it, uh, you know, how he was always say, I want to thank Albert Tabaji. And he'd be up there. And it was, you know, nobody, well, you ever, know who else? nobody ever did that. Okay. Well, I, I want you to tell everybody the Steve Martin story when he was performing at the Beef and Bottle and what happened. So there. the way we get acts into Gainesville, Gainesville hadn't had a, a regular guy that was based in Gainesville with a venue mm -hmm. that could offer a play date specifically for artists that were coming in and out of Florida. So when they created the Great Southern, it was our sandbox. And, you know, <laughs> I was the guy. I was the conduit. And, and I knew all the agencies and made myself known to them. Um, so they'd call me and say, hey, we're routing through. Chuck Mangione, we're routing through uh, mm -hmm. whoever. I mean, sometimes we do isolated dates. In Steve mm -hmm. Martin's case, 
we'd fly him in from L.A. You can do that with a comic, yeah. <laughs> with a comic, you can do that because it's not a crew in, in a band. Yeah, Anyways. but isn't it true that you first saw him over at the Beef and Bottle? Yeah, Steve Steve used to play. They worked him to death over at the Beef and Bottle. He'd have to do three nights and like two shows. And <laughs> by the time the end of the evening was, he'd had too many drinks and God bless him. I knew he had the ability to draw more people than mm -hmm. and not have it spread out like that. They They made a lot of money off of it. And so I went over there and I said, it's time for you to think about going and featuring and, 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 and drawing <laughs> 800 people uh, on one big show. And we did them at midnight because we but had the movies. But what did he say to you? When, when well, no, he and I'll never forget it because we sat up at the bar and he looked at me and it was almost like a scene out of a jerk. He, he said, do you really think I can... You really think I can sell it out? He, he he wasn't confident in his own ability to do it. Of course, our our role was to judge what talent came into the market and could we sell it and could we make it support itself. And I and I I went called his agent and he said you know well he knew that I had a relationship with his agent because actually they did the nitty gritty dirt band too. But anyways, when we got him and we got him to do. Uh, a 12 o'clock midnight show on a Friday night Albert, at, do you recall, at the musical. Do you recall okay. telling me to go pick him up at the airport? I, I might. I used to tell him he, he would because yeah. he'd come by himself and, then, and, and, so and he'd call I, me. Wait, and, and, I don't and, know, you know what really, you know, what he's going to look like or anything. I go out to the airport. <laughs> he's wearing a trench coat and a hat. And I, and I looked around and kind of figured, well, that must be him. So I walked over. He's Steve Martin. Can we go? You know, he was real quiet. Yeah. You know, it was yeah, he, like, he was very quiet. <laughs> he was really quiet. Yeah, yeah. Now, wasn't that the show when Joan Baez showed up? Well, that, no. yeah, that night. Tell well, us what yes, happened. that was, that might have been the second show. Yeah. That wasn't the night when he took everybody out after the show out into oh, the street. Oh, tell that story. That's and then he got up story. on the, on the, on the uh, light, <laughs> on the light pole. <laughs> on the well, then he stood up and he, and he was, you know, continuing to talk to people and people were, mes they were mesmerized by him. Okay. So here's the story. He had that we, kind of control. We do a 12 o'clock show. We do a 12 o'clock show and we have to close down the Great Southern Music Hall by two and have yeah. everybody out of there by two, which meant we had to, Tell people to start leaving about one forty-five. Right, correct. And Martin, Steve Martin, was just getting into his uh, the he prime. He was revved up. He was, he was revved up, stuff. and he was going. And we're telling him we got to close it down. We got to close it down uh, because it was a liquor. We had liquor sold there, correct. right? That was why we had to close it. So, mm -hmm. so he says, "Are you guys ready for more?" And the audience goes, "Yeah, we want more." So he says, "Well, let's follow me out on the University they Avenue." They were leaving. Eight hundred people. Went out on the University Avenue, closed down the street. The police blocked it off. Steve Martin gets up on a fire hydrant and finishes his routine with a stupid arrow. Yeah, with that arrow. Head. He had some props he always had. And, and, and he always had a stool that you sat there so he could set the stuff on of it. Balloons, he was really big with balloons and stuff but, like that. But, but he came by himself because he was only making $1,500 a night. The night okay. that Joan Baez showed up. She drove up in an Excalibur, this you know those big fancy looking, mm -hmm. and I'm standing there at the front door, and we we were sold out, so I had no idea who she was, and uh, she came up and said um, something about getting in. I said no, we're sold out, and all they the came employees, and got me. yeah, <laughs> all the employees, everybody, they was like, "That's Joan Baez." Are you got, kidding? Oh God, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was when the Rolling Thunder Review was in town, right? Correct. Uh, they were they were playing at the university they, at the stadium. They were. Uh, the, the, we had Steve. I knew that the Rolling Thunder Review with Dylan and Joan and Bob Newworth and Roger McGuinn and all them were go, was going to be at Florida Field. It was in April, okay. And we booked. I booked Steve Martin that, that night before because I knew everybody was going to be revved up for that. So Joan shows up on a motorcycle. She's with Bob Newworth, and they pull <laughs> up out front. And I remember one, our manager came and got me and said, "There's a woman out here." And I went out and I knew, I mean, I knew it was her right away, obviously. And I introduced myself. Uh, a, a longtime associate of mine and, and dear friend, Jeffrey Bloom, was working for them. And, uh, you know, he was in town and I knew what was going on with them. So we took her in and Steve was 
the, I, he needed a diaper. He was so excited that she came out to see him. And it was so funny. Uh, you know, he was, gush, he was gushing. He was like so excited. And we took her backstage and then we went to a party afterwards. Wasn't that the Hilton? Of yeah. The yeah. No, we went was, to a party was Bob afterwards. Dylan here at that show? Uh, right. Yeah, Bob Dylan was in the Rolling Thunder Review. Yeah, he was out there and too. And Bill Graham, we man, <laughs> Bill, Bill Graham managed that tour, and his partner was on the road. Barry, so didn't Steve Barry Martin then go work the show the next day? Didn't they he? invited him out to MC the show the next day? And he was honored, and he did a really nice job, and it was good for him in the town because it exposed him once again, you know, in front of quite a lot of people. I mean, you know. Well, they did it in one side of the stadium then, but there was probably 25,000 yeah. people there. Anyhow. You remember, uh, I remember uh, the story on Richie Havens. Somebody brought him here, and he was out there in the in the field, the city football field. Citizens Field, yeah, I think. And that everybody said, well, let's do a show at the Great Southern. And that was a Sunday or something. And you guys, everybody just brought him in. All of a sudden, everybody's there, and it's a big Sunday ah. show. We've not even planned. Right. Well, I remember winding up at the Holiday Inn on Southwest 13th Street after the show with Richie Havens and all the girls he could scarf up at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A character. I, I really like But anyhow, that. Albert, the, one of the memorable things that you accomplished was um, the, the rumble from the jungle. Can you tell us a little bit oh, about that goodness. story? Oh, well, you know, when, when we when we had the music hall, we, of course, we had a venue and we were consistent. We were available we, when anybody was coming through and they needed a night of employment and they were an artist and wanted a guarantee, you know, maybe in a percentage or a bonus. We were available to do it. But um, Angelo Dundee's son, Jim Dundee, Big Jim Dundee, OK, uh, was going to college here at the University of Florida and he was an up. He, I don't know if he was in optometry school here. Is there a school? Is there an optometry college? I don't know. Anyways, he ended <laughs> up being so. an eye doctor. But he comes to see me, uh, and he comes into town, and he comes up, and and I guess you guys gave gave him an introduction, and he said, "Look," he says, "You know, you can, you guys can start getting the uh, the closed circuit fights of the Muhammad Ali fights, and we had a venue, and yeah, I ended up doing them in." Tallahassee, and I ended up doing like three markets with him after that. But, but what was the big fight, the big fight, the, the first one? Wasn't that the Rumble in the Jungle? Well, the first fight was 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 Ken Norton, but we didn't do the early. We, we got in later in the 70s, okay? Right. Yeah. Um, well, the, the Rumble in the but Jungle was, was Zaire. Was that uh, Zaire? Was, that was... Yeah, and Zaire. But anyhow, so the the Southern Bell was the, the big... Um, you know, uh, for your telephone, it was it was about three hundred feet from where the Great Southern yeah, it was, was next door. And, and in order, <laughs> in order to get the closed circuit for the fight, the we had to run a cord three hundred, three hundred. <laughs> I never knew that. That is okay. crazy. It's black and white. Yeah, it took forever. And then in comes this little camera. That I mean, really, just a black and white. Stupid camera it, it to show was. this picture up there that you get some binoculars. Oh, it was really run. primitive. It was, back it was primitive, very primitive. Very primitive yeah. But That's, wait a minute. Uh, we had to sell tickets for $25 a piece. And yeah, I was, that, we've laid out all the money. And I'm I, sitting there. I didn't think we'd sell the tickets. So all let, of a sudden, uh, it's all sold out. And there are people offering $100 to get in. We couldn't I, let any more people in. And I, I remember <laughs> Clark Butler was there. Norwood Hope was there. Every All the, the coaches judges, were there. The coaches were there. Uh, all the, uh, the Steinbrenner lawyer. bought all the tickets. And, right. and, I got a call and, from Mr. Steinbrenner's yeah. office, and George they said it was his assistant <laughs> called me and said, you know, they were, he was in Ocala, okay, right. and and they wanted to bring a bunch of people to see the fight. And I remember we made some tickets available to them. They bought like what a bunch of them. Know. They bought but, a whole bunch of tickets. Do, do you remember <laughs> we 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 had the um, girls who were working right. at the theater? We dressed them up. Like the classic cigar girls with the yeah. trays, and we were selling. They were selling cigars. They were selling cigars. So, awesome. And the Great Southern Music Hall back then, you could smoke while you watched a show, right. and people didn't care whether it was cigar. And you or could pot, have a drink, a cocktail. Right? They'd bring mean, you down. About halfway through, after free form the show, here. all of us, all of a sudden, you know, the smoke would start coming up, you know, and everybody would be having a good time, and uh, we had a lot of the Gainesville Police Department on our security force, right? Yeah. 
and they and yeah. we kind of had we were kind of like uh, <laughs> we felt like we were protected yeah. because we well it was a, it was a, a jovial um, and and period of time where we, everybody we, was having fun. We had a good run with the the the, the series of fights Muhammad Ali did. We that's really we did do Hagler and Hearns uh, and Leonard Durand. We got some other ones besides that. You did Muhammad I, Ali versus the wrestler. I remember that. Right. But, Antonio Inoki. Inoki. Yeah. but the reason we got it was I give credit to Jim Dundee and Angelo Dundee. They were in Miami and Jimmy was going to school here. And he's the one that connected that all up. You remember we so had lunch we with do, them at the Primrose? I, I didn't get to go to that. And it was you my didn't. fault. It was my fault. I thought you were yeah. there. We had no, lunch no, you with were Angelo Dundee yeah, yeah, yeah. at, at the Primrose. Why did I never hear about this stuff? <laughs> yeah. You should have looked me up. I wanted no, to hang out with Angelo Dundee. No, I remember. Um, they came I, up for Parents Weekend. Wow. And and that was one of the neat things about the Great Southern Music Hall. We got celebrities in town. We had these celebrities and we got to take them out for dinner and there was this wonderful place called the Primrose Inn right across the street and we'd walk Great across uh, before the Henry. show if they wanted to have some dinner. I remember right. I had dinner with uh, Count Basie there with uh, Dave Brubeck <laughs> yeah. and his sons. Yeah. And, uh, and they knew you. Yeah. And well, Dave Brubeck knew me because my father had booked Dave Brubeck in his jazz club during the 1950s <laughs> and Brubeck had brought his sons in, Darius uh, and another right. D. Chris. Chris, yeah. uh, to play another two Chris. generations of Brubeck. So it was two generations of Meldons booking two generations of Brubeck. <laughs> On that thought, we've got to cut to a break, our third and final break. What an episode. I have to tell you, Jeffrey, you said this would be epic. It has exceeded anything I would have imagined. Today is Friday, March 26th. This is episode 22 of Melden Law and Friends. We will be right back with our very good friends, Jim Forsman, Albert Tabaji, talking about music, history in Gainesville. And Gainesville the great, music. And the Gainesville great Southern Music Hall, the glory days. And maybe we'll have those days again. Who well, knows? You, you know what it was called? The Showplace of, of the, the South. Of the South. Yes. That it was. <laughs> we'll be right back. The Gator Nation will be the first to tell you that in all kinds of weather, we all stick together. Which is why Melden Law is honored to be the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. We hope you never find yourself the victim of a serious accident. But if you do, our team is here for you. Gators won't back down from a fight, and neither do we. Hello and welcome back to today's episode of Melden Law and Friends. Today is Friday, the 26th of March. And you know what? This is a very special episode. Jeffrey, this is the first time we've had the same guests on the entire hour. And we could probably go several more hours. So that's that's how good of a show this is, I have to say. A couple of things I want to touch on before we get back to our guests. We, of course, have tickets again this weekend for the softball games. The Lady Gators softball team is playing LSU this weekend. There's a game tonight. We've already given away the tickets to tonight's game, but there is a game tomorrow at 5 p.m., a game Sunday at 11 a.m., six tickets for each game. We have a group of four and a group of two that we're giving away, so you have two opportunities to win for each of the upcoming two games, and there's a gift certificate for dinner, right? That's correct. $100 to Miapa Cafe for the four ticket winner and $50 for the two ticket winner. So go to meldenlaw.com, our homepage. At the top, there's a red bar that says enter the contest. Enter it. Uh, we are having great uh, response from everybody who's been a winner, and uh, we're supporting Gator sports because they are great. They are great. You know what's also great? The fact that in Gainesville, Florida, Correct me if I'm wrong, nine members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are from Gainesville, Florida. And yeah. that ties in, yeah. you know, you guys had a lot to do with that, the three of you, well, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the 70s, we, were, we yeah. were 70s guys to start. Well, yeah. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, you had a lot five, to do with that. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then two of the Eagle members, you got Bernie Lennon, Don Felder, right, right. Stephen Stills. And uh, last but not least, Bo Diddley. Right. So for yeah. a small town. But what's amazing is if you go through the list of people that we brought into the uh, Great Southern, many of them are in the Rock and Roll Hall Absolutely. of Fame. I mean, 
Bo Diddley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Jimmy Buffett. If he isn't in already, he should be, uh, you know, Eric Burton and the Animals, right. uh, you know, one after another. John Mayall, Ike and Tina, Turner, B.B. Uh, King, you know, Count Basie, Taj Mahal, all these were, you know, great performers. But I want Jim to tell the story because in addition to live theater, we also had movies that we were bringing in because it was a movie theater originally. Mm. And we brought in, which was a controversial X-rated uh, film. Uh, Jim, you want to tell the story? You remember the, the, the film we were trying to bring in? Well, there was a, a movie called <laughs> The Devil and Miss Jones that had some questionable... It was X-rated. X-rated, I guess. <laughs> and we were concerned about showing it and getting ourselves in trouble. So the state attorney's office would eat lunch at the uh, Primrose Inn, <laughs> and we invited them over for a special show. That showing. was Gene Whitworth. Gene God Whitworth bless him. Right. and several others. Yeah. And we asked them to review it to tell us if this thing is this movie was going to get us into trouble. And they came over and watched the movie and said, no, it looks fine with us. Well, they made out. They said, we think you can slide by. Yeah, it'll yeah, yeah. be okay. So yeah. we figured then the local law enforcement or whoever said it's okay. So we went from there to uh, selling tickets. And that night, the entire theater was packed. It was full of people. We sold out. Sure. And um, we, got a, we got some information. We got a phone call that they weren't interested, but somebody else might be. And I looked out across the street, and there must have been 35 agents lined up across federal the street. Federal agents. Federal agents. Federal, okay. The street. Yeah. Forget state. This is federal now. And so uh, Bobby Lieberman right. went, up, went, went on to become Jimmy Buffett's uh, right. road manager. Bobby right. Lieberman went up on stage and said, uh, we, uh, we there's some people across the street that are telling us that you can't see this show. And so we're going to refund all the tickets. So 800 people, they were coming across the street about the same time 800 people were herding out of the front of the theater. And it was a mess. And so one of the agents came up to Albert and said, who's in charge? And Albert said, nobody. <laughs> I did. I, did. I don't know. Because I had booked the movie and I was getting nervous about what was going to happen. Okay. Uh, you know, because it got... Kind of crazy. Trust me, I used that strategy later. Another story for another day. Everybody (laughs) was kind of a little concerned about the movie. So there was a plan in the employees... And this thing just disappeared. We don't know where it went. Oh, the film itself. Yeah, everything gone. Oh, the whole film. Some you had so, the bag man to run off with the film. No, we didn't know who. We didn't know. I didn't know that. We didn't really think in our minds, but the employees were thinking we need to get rid of it. So one of the employees or several. But that night, I went over and had dinner at the Primrose Inn. And when I came out, I was going into the office to unlock it, and the FBI agent came up and said, "I need to talk to you." And so I said, okay. And we went upstairs in the office, and uh, Claude Meadows was his I, name. I right. remember Claude, Claude very Meadows. well. Right. And he sat across from me and said, do um, you know where the movie is? I said, I have no idea. I didn't buy the movie. I don't know anything about the movie. I know we were going to show it. And he said, I said, why? What are you concerned about? Did you not like the movie? <laughs> and he said, well, we're not sure. And I said, what do you mean you're not sure? He said, well, until we see it, we couldn't tell whether or not. I said, so you're telling me that we could go in there and show the movie, and then you're going to sit there and decide that there's something wrong and go arrest somebody? I said, why don't you just tell them that up front? I mean, I was so angry you with were, it. And I don't blame you. I was so angry. The that feds this guy wanted their own private showing of what, it. Trying to set somebody up if they don't want something. If they knew we had mm-hmm. it. They knew it as advertised. And yeah, there was no it, excuse it, it, for them not coming and saying, it we need wrong. to get it or you can't show it or something. Yeah, I, I, it, it caused a lot of stress and it did. unnecessary so I, I was yelling you know, at him because I got yelling out I got upset with him. That was ridiculous. Well, this, so this is Melvin Law and Friends, and these are the kind of crazy friends I used to hang out with. What do you mean used to? Years. What do you mean and, used to? And they're still, they're still great friends of mine. We still stay in touch all the time. And But what's pretty amazing is the Great Southern Music Hall was created in 1974 by a bunch of 20-year-olds 
who didn't really know what we're doing. Albert was the only one that had any real prior (laughs) experience. And um, somehow it became the most significant music forum that ever existed in the city of Gainesville. Uh, The University of Florida certainly has brought in great shows. But Albert, how did the Great Southern differ from what the university did? Well, when I first came here, there was... Miles Wilkin was here, and I was worried about being competitive with the free shows that the university liked to book because I wanted everything. All that stuff that they wanted for free shows, we needed it to sell tickets to, to try to, you know, make ends meet and, you know, pay our expenses. So I was a much more active buyer and had more availability of my venue than the college did at that time. And what were they doing shows? Well, they they were doing stuff... Well, back then, uh, they were doing it uh, before the Union, Lake Union Lawn. They were doing Union, Union Lawn, Union Lawn Beta Field, And then Lake they eventually Alice. did Lake Alice. And, and then, then we built did, the band shell. Then they built the band shell. Yeah. But uh, they, they just couldn't do what we did sure. uh, on, on a regular, consistent basis and provide the name entertainment that we could provide. I mean, when we were in our earlier years, we were cranking 50 shows a year through that little yeah, theater, and the university okay? was lucky, and we were making lucky. those bands do two shows, which was always challenging because yeah. we needed sixteen hundred seats. Okay, I mean we were, we could only charge five to ten dollars a ticket. I mean we couldn't grow. I remember the very you first know. time Albert, you played. Howard didn't yeah. charge enough for shows. I think that was a problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I thought I could charge more. Yeah. Well, I remember Ray Charles coming in for a whole week. We had uh, we we actually got a call from them and they wanted to use our show for a rehearsal right. uh, for, for a whole week. And they agreed to play two shows on Friday and two shows on Saturday. Yeah, they had a big and you did that yeah. before. That was before me. That was just but, before me. But when Ray Charles asked you to hang out at your place for a week, and play that incredible music, and then perform at the end of the week. Well, he was that was he, a big he was deal. staying out there at the hill, you know, at the presidential suite, and he asked me to drive him around. He wanted to see Gainesville, and he would get in the back. I had a Lincoln Continental. He got in the back seat, I remember and that. I drove him around. Yeah. And uh, then he said, "I want a carrot cake and some watermelon." Yeah. So <laughs> he, we got him carrot cake and watermelon, and I was driving him around one day, and he said, "Jim, you got to turn down the air conditioning and salt the popcorn if you want to sell more beer." <laughs> well, that's pretty good. But he was very oh, that that's that's well, he's now, experienced. You, say, you know, here's there's somebody that was, you know, really new. Okay. Now, yeah, now, nice just a superhuman now, being. Nice now person. Ray Charles was great. Now he was blind and you were riding him around to right. see Gainesville. Explain yeah, how that yeah, happened. Yeah. I, I really didn't question it. I just drove around and say, Well, here's the university <laughs> and here's this. Okay. And he said, That's great, and that was it. Wow, I know Albert. You had a, you had some stories about BB King and our uh, favorite barbecue uh, maestro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I did BB very regularly and maybe twice a year because they <laughs> called me because they needed the date to get him to South Florida, and he had a regular play down there. And um, and his agent uh, was a great guy, and I love him to death. And he'd call up and uh, and we'd always accommodate BB King because you know he's the legendary guy the king okay. of the blues but L- Lucille it, it the was guitar. always fun because he'd go up in that little mm-hmm. dressing room that we had he didn't have a mm-hmm. camper and all these women would want to come and say hi to him you know he BB was you know he was a ladies man okay and that's why he has 11 children so and, and one of his daughters that, lived, yeah, one of them lived here but anyways to make a long story short he was uh, always uh, loved coming to Gainesville, and Pres Myers, that owned Presidents Ribs at the time, Press would always Nets. take him out <laughs> after the show, and they'd go to clubs and go whatever they do, and, and and they were really fun together. Those guys, just to see those two guys together, you know, in Gainesville, and it was always a lot of fun. And BB was great; he was always really a great guy. You know, always treated me really good, and. Uh, and it was always an honor to, to, to have him come into Gainesville and play at the Great Southern. Guys, we only have about a minute and a half left. So any quick final, you know, uh, war story you want to just get off your chest? <laughs> we covered a lot. We did. Patty King showed up at the back door of the Great Southern and said, I'm B.B. King's daughter. And his manager was there, and, and manager said, he doesn't have any kids. <laughs> That's what he said. Bebop. So, Bebop. Yeah. That was his manager. So I went over and talked to Bebop. I said, uh, Patty King's at the back door. She said, she's your daughter. And he said, 
she is. Would you please bring her in? Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. There you go. The boss said it. That was word. So anyhow, this is, um, I'm Jeffrey Melvin, and uh, we've had our great guests today, Jim Forsman and Albert T. Badgey, uh, who were my uh, partners in the Great Southern Music Hall from 1974 through 1978. And uh, this, we are going to be doing a special museum museum exhibit for the Great Southern that we're gonna talk about uh, later on, but uh, it's coming within the next couple months and uh, we're very excited about that. So the Great Southern Music Hall lives on. It does. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Melden Law and Friends. It's been a fantastic one. Hey, if you watched it all the way through, spread the word. This is a great show. We'll be seeing you next week. Remember, we're going to be going live on Facebook Live starting Tuesday, April 6th to take your questions. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you soon.